127th Psalm. 127th Psalm. Probably not going to take me long tonight. I'm not going to beat around the bush, which I don't ever make a practice of that. But I don't have a whole lot to say, but I believe what I do have to say is from God and it will um, change us, help us tonight if we will apply it. And um, Hundred twenty seventh Psalm. If you there say Amen. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Verse number two. It is vain for you to rise up early, to set up late. Now this is not talking about the bad habits of an evangelist. Just clear the water there. To eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Verse number three. Lo, children are an inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. If I get through this without trying to climb a wall, it's going to be a miracle. Lo, children are... No, there we go. As an... As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. So are the children of thy youth. Next scripture. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. Now this is an incredible phrase right here. This is not a passive phrase. This is not a passive phrase at all. Just reading it in its initial context, it seems passive, but it's not a passive phrase. It's a very aggressive phrase. But they, now this is speaking of the children or the babies, they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. It's not a passive. It it doesn't mean they're standing out there having a little conversation with the adversary. It doesn't mean they're out there trying to reach some agreement on some kind of terms with the opposition no what it literally means it's an aggressive word to speak is an aggressive word it means to fight or to contend with i want to talk to you tonight for a few moments on the subject or i'm just going to talk to you for a little little bit about a different approach to fighting just a little bit different approach to fighting. Now we're in a battle tonight. But if you allow me to get, if you allow the Holy Ghost to get in your mind and spirit, this is nothing complex, it's real simple. But the light come on about two weeks ago and I realized, my God, we have been fighting the battle in all of the wrong ways. Now Brother Howard's in the Holy Ghost and if he gets tight tonight, I may just flip him the mic back and turn him loose. He was in the Holy Ghost and what he was doing. And I wish he'd just kept going just a little bit more. There's a different, there is a more effective approach to fighting the battle that you and I are in. And if the Holy Ghost will help me, I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight. If you're thankful for the word of the Lord, put your hands together. Give God a loud shout of praise before you're seated. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands, give God praise, lift Him up. Hallelujah! 
Oh, come on. I want to hear your voices. Let the praises of the people of God fill the house. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, anybody believe there's victory in your praise? Come on, anybody believe there's deliverance in your worship? Let everything that had breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Seems like everywhere we turn, everybody I talk to, every phone call that I choose to take, everybody is talking about the problems. Everybody is talking about the attack that we're under as a movement or on a consistent basis. I talk to people that share with me the personal attacks that they're under. And I am not here today and I will not stand as a fool and, and speak to you that I am looking through rose-cutted glasses and that we are not an attack. We are under an attack. But it's the last days. It's the last days. Why it comes uh, as a surprise to us, really, I don't understand because we are living in the last days. Now, really what it boils down to is either we can focus on the problems, we can focus on the adversity, we can dwell on the attacks, we can talk about the attacks, or we can dwell on the flip side of the coin that says, in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Now, I'll tell you where every one of us need to get. Every one of us need to get to the place that we choose to dwell on what's right. We choose to celebrate on what's right. We choose to celebrate. Sure, there's adversity. Sure, there's problems. Sure, you're dealing with hell like you've never dealt with hell before. But somewhere you got to realize the good things about the day that we're living in. We're living in a day of harvest. We're, dealing, we're living in a day of revival. We're living in a day of miracles. Everybody's talking about the adversity. Everybody's talking about the problems. Everybody's talking about how bad it is. Everybody's talking about what the devil's doing. Everybody's talking about this going wrong and that's going wrong. Nobody's talking about the solution. Nobody's talking about the answer. Are we going to keep fighting this battle of adversity? Are we going to keep fighting this spiritual battle with complaining and fussing? Are we going to get on the battleground and realize there's an effective way to fight this battle and it's not talking about the problem and building up the monster? Anybody going to help me here tonight? What is the answer? I'm not a dummy. I'm not a fool here tonight. I'm seeing it. The home is being attacked like it has never been attacked before. Come on, in a building this size, it doesn't take a prophet, it doesn't take the gifts of the Spirit, it doesn't take somebody walking in the Holy Ghost to be able to safely say, there's things going on right now in this building in the sound of my voice in your families. 
It's a given. It's the spirit of the end time. It's what's going on. The devil's trying to destroy the tranquility in our homes. The devil's trying to destroy the peace in our marriages. He's trying to put us at odds with our other teammate. He's trying. Come on, somebody hearing me right now? People that have gone along fine for years. It's not just by coincidence that all of a sudden in the midst of everything going on that they start having problems and the devil starts uh, magnifying things in their mind and their spirit from the past and mistakes of the of the, the spouse that they live with. We're under an attack. I've never seen the family under attack like it is right now. Come on, somebody hear me. We're under attack. The church is under attack. But what is the answer? What is the solution? I'm not going to just wait around any longer. I'm going to tell you. Yes, I believe we need to pray more. Yes, I believe we need to fast more. Yes, I believe we need to be more faithful. And yes, I believe we need to be more demonstrative demonstrative in our worship than we've ever been. But it takes more than worship. It takes more than prayer. It takes more than fasting. It takes more than being faithful. There is an effective way to fight this battle. There is an effective way to come against and build a defense against the adversity in our lives. The answer is the reality coming back to the very startling, startling reality of what you and I really are here for anyways. The answer to all these problems, the blockage against all of this adversity that's against us as far as our families and our marriages and our jobs and in the church, the answer is going back to the starting, the startling reality of what you and I were given the Holy Ghost for in the first place. Oh, you thought I was going to come here and teach you a little Bible study tonight. I'm not going to mess around. I'm going to talk about what God gave you the Holy Ghost for in the first place. Anybody out there apostolic? Anybody out there a tongue talker? Anybody out there been baptized in Jesus? Anybody proud that you're spirit filled and you're living a life of holiness? Come on, apostolics. Something has got to happen to us that we come to a startling realization that God didn't give us the Holy Ghost for us to live in comfort in all of His blessings and thank God for them. God didn't give us the Holy Ghost for us to get complacent or just to wallow around in all of His greatness. God gave you the Holy Ghost for you to bring somebody into this house. God gave you the power that you might become witnesses. We don't need more preachers. We don't need more singers. We don't need more musicians. We need soul winners. We need door knockers. We need somebody that's willing to walk the streets and talk about the goodness of Jesus. We become too creased. We're too complacent. We've got it all wrong. God didn't save us for us to be kings. We're living in a kingdom and there's only one king in this kingdom and it's not you. God called you to be a servant. God called you to reach the lost. God called you to reach the hurting. God called you to win a soul. 
The reason we're not winning this battle is because we're fighting it with the wrong weapons. I'm going to say it again. The reason we're not winning this battle is because we're fighting it with the wrong mindset. We're fighting it with the wrong approach. Well, I'm worshiping. I'm praying. I'm fasting. He said he gave you power to become witnesses. And I understand that the church at Ephesus, that the letter arrived to them saying that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And I believe that. I believe God wants to bless us more. I believe God wants to give us greater blessings. I believe God wants to give us greater revival. But you've got to understand something. God's ability to answer your prayer hinges on whether or not your power to be a witness is working or not. You missed a good point right there. I said God's power and His ability to move in your situation is dependent on whether or not the power in you is stirred. When's the last time you told somebody about the goodness of Jesus? When's the last time you loved somebody? When's the last time you went out of your way to take time for somebody that's hurting? Prayer is not our greatest defense. Brother Mark's wants to get controversial tonight. I'm just telling you how I feel. I'm just telling you what I'm gathering from what I'm observing. Prayer alone is not our greatest defense. Worship alone is not our greatest defense. He starts out in the 27th Psalm. He says, if you're building a building and God's not in the middle of it, you're wasting your time. If the watchman's passionate, if the watchman's getting up and he's looking over the building, he's looking over the people that's going to attend in the building, but God's not in it, it's a waste of time. And then he stops and he goes on just a little bit more. And it's all so fitting to what he's saying. He goes on a little bit more and he said, I never purposed for my children to go to bed at night eating the bread of sorrow. I never intended my babies to get up every morning and to eat the bread of sorrow. I intended for rest for my people. I intended peace for my people. But why are we not, why do we not have peace? Why are you at not peace with your circumstances tonight? Why are you not at peace with your situation tonight? Why are you not leaning on that everlasting, trusting God that you say you serve tonight? I wonder, I wonder if it's because we've become addicted to a steady diet of the bread of sorrows. You need to change the bread you're eating. I'm not eating the bread of sorrows. I'm going to eat the bread of life. I said, I'm going to eat the bread of life. And then he says something that I never grasped till two weeks ago in prayer, asking God what the answer was to all of this adversity. I thought this little scripture was always someone's little cute phrase that they use when you started having babies. Oh, look. He's trying to fill his quiver up. I've always just thought that it was dealing with just the day-to-day life. The natural aspect of children are a blessing. And I agree with that. Children are a blessing. I agree with that. 
But the more I looked at it, the more I pray about it, and the more I ask God for an answer to all the adversity and a solution to everybody's storms that they're dealing with, I begin to realize it had more than a natural, it had more than a natural slant to it. It evermore had a spiritual slant to it. He said, children are a heritage of the Lord. He said, happy is the man. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of those arrows. Those arrows speaking of children. I've used this. I've seen this used in baby dedications. We've missed this. I've missed it. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've seen it before. But I've missed it in all of my years of living for God. He said, but those arrows, those arrows in a man's hand. He said, it's not only about your quiver being full. He said, those arrows, he said, they're powerful. He said, those arrows, those arrows are powerful. They've got the ability to penetrate. Those arrows have the ability to pierce those things that come against you. And then he, then he stops and he finishes the psalm up by saying this. He said, they're not just babies. When you have babies, it's not just about your quiver being full when you fill up the house he said those babies are going to be the ones that stand in the gate and oppose the enemy that's trying to get in I'm going to break it down to you. We've missed the greatest defensive mechanism that God ever gave the church. We have missed the greatest defensive mechanism that God ever gave the church. Hey, you know how you need to respond to your problems? Teach a Bible study. You know how you ought to respond to your adversity? Win a soul. Because if you get babies in the gate, the enemy can't come in. It's a different way of fighting. What you going to do? I'm going to have revival. What you going to do? I'm going to put two or three people in my car. My car's already full. That's fine. The kids can sit on my lap. What you going to do? I'm going to get in the altar. And I'm going to lay my hands on somebody's head that hadn't had this Holy Ghost yet. What you going to do? He said, if there's babies, if you're having babies and your quiver's full, those babies are going to be the one that stands in the gate. Don't you understand in modern, those modern days of fighting that if you possess the gate, you possess the city. If you possess the entrance, you possess the city. What I'm saying is revival will keep the enemy out. Babies, people praying through, receiving the Holy Ghost will make it impossible for the enemy to ever get in. Don't tell me about your problems when your tree don't got a lick of fruit on it. I don't want to hear what kind of problems you're having in your family when you ain't shared the goodness of Christ. It's a startling reality. Come on, preacher, preach, preach the right message. Come on, singer, sing the right song. No! You keep the enemy out of your home. It's going to be because you're fruitful. 
And your very offspring, your spiritual offspring, will be the thing that stands in the gate and says, oh no, you're not coming in here. Hey, you know what? I believe it's time for the Rock Church to quit dwelling on your problems. I believe it's time for families in the Rock Church to quit talking about your adversity and win a soul. Fill your quiver up. If you'll ever get your quiver full, you don't have to worry about the enemy. If you'll ever get your quiver... And I'm going to tell you something else. I've been studying the modern weaponry of that day. They didn't just carry one size of arrow in their quiver. Some people, the enemy keeps invading because they want a revival. But they want a revival of a certain status quo. You don't want me to preach this tonight. They want a certain size of arrow. They want a certain... Well, I want doctors and I want lawyers and I... I want this. I'm going to tell you what. He didn't specify whether it was doctors or lawyers. He said if the arrow, if the quiver's full of arrows. And I found from studying weaponry in that day that they had longer arrows, shorter arrows, skinny arrows, fatter arrows, and they served different purposes. What I'm saying to you is we need to quit trying to hand pick. Well, I want this kind of revival. I'm going to win this kind of soul. I'll take the prostitutes. I'll take the skanks. I'll take the white trash. I'll take it all. Give it all to me. Because if we ever get the quiver, fall. And I know if we're not careful, a big percentage of us as Pentecostals are going to miss this. Because if the answer is not something sensational, if somebody don't walk down and call our name, See, that's what some of you waiting on you tonight. You waiting just like, and there's a time and a place for that. But you waiting with brother. Some of you prayed since I left here last week. God, give brother Mark's a word. Let him speak something. To him. You know what? You don't need a word. You need to teach the word. <laughs> no. You don't need a word. Well, maybe you do need a word. And I'm trying to give you that word right now. Win a soul. And if you'll win a soul, it's got a way of making all of your problems go away. Having baby. He said, if you ever get, if you ever get the revelation of getting your quiver full. He said, you don't have to worry about the enemy. The babies will stand at the gate and they'll contend with the enemy. Why do you think the psalmist picked it up in the eighth psalm and said, out of the mouth of fourth and fifth generational Pentecostals. of people that are professional Pentecostals. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. Thou hast ordained strength. I read one translation today that said out of the mouths of babes and sucklings it caused God to make his mind up. All right, I'm going to come down there and I'm going to steal the enemy and I'm going to stop every accusation and I'm going to put my foot on everything that's opposing them. But I want to submit to you tonight if there's no babes in our churches crying out 
if there's no sucklings in our services crying out, I want to submit to you. Could it be that the enemy still has an avenue in which to attack the church? You're not hearing me. He said, out of the mouths of babes, and when there's babes, when there's babies praising me, when there's babies dancing in the aisle, when there's babies... There ought to be five or ten smokers in this church at a time. There ought to be women in this church all the time that don't look Pentecostal. There ought to be people in this church that look like they come up out of a hole. And I'm telling you, when they start praising God, according to my understanding of Scripture, God said, they caused me to make my mind up. I'll get off of my throne and I'll come down there and I'll destroy every enemy and I'll steal the act. I wanted to end this high tonight. I begged God all the way here. God let me know real frankly. I'll end it how I want to end it. The answer to all this adversity is the startling realization of coming back to what we were purposed for initially in the beginning. And it wasn't to become spoiled brats. Afraid to get our hands dirty. God called you out to call somebody else out. Rock Church, you can look for something to come from heaven until he comes back to feel that balcony and that balcony will never be filled. Because what you're looking for is not coming from up there. And how are they going to come and drink freely from a river that we've got dammed up in our own spirits? I know how we fought it. I know how we fought it. But I'm afraid we're fighting it the wrong way. I wonder what would happen in your crises that you're in right now if you'd walk out of this place and make up in your mind. I'm winning a soul before the year comes to an end. You can say, Brother Marks, you're stretching it. I'm telling you, I believe God let me go through that with that boy to show me now where we're at as the church. That if our quiver's full of spiritual babies, it's impossible for the enemy to get in. He can't penetrate. He can't penetrate the defense of babies. Look at this, Second Chronicles 17. 
Second Chronicles 17, <clears throat> verse number 9. Now this is speaking of the people. And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about through all the cities of Judah and taught the people. They were teaching. Now watch. 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 Watch what happens, Brother Young, when the people are fulfilling their responsibility. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the land that were around about Judah. You know what God did? He shut down and He stilled the adversities. So that the enemy made no war against Jehoshaphat. The people's willingness to fulfill their responsibility built the defense. It steeled every enemy around them. The fear of God fell. It didn't fall on a Sunday night live service. didn't fall when somebody was talking in tongues. The fear of God didn't fall when they were doing something sensational or they were doing something that gave them goosebumps. That wasn't what stilled the enemy. The thing that closed the mouth of the adversity is because the people were fulfilling their duty of sharing the word. I'll take it a next, next a step next further. A next step further. I don't know, I not only believe that it affects the enemies of this church, but I believe when a church is not evangelistic. Listen to me. I want this to get in your spirit. I want this to sting, okay? I'm not trying to take the sting. I want it to hurt. Because it, it's been hurting me. Because it's easy. It's easy. It's easy to dismiss myself from my personal duties. It's easy. It's easy to justify. Well, I preach four or five times a week, you know. It's easy to dismiss myself from my personal duties of being a soul winner. But I not only believe that when a church refuses to be evangelistic when a church refuses to teach Bible studies when a church refuses to be soul winners I not only believe it affects the enemy that surrounds them but the Bible says it affected Jehoshaphat I believe there's unwanted pressures and unwanted demonic attacks that come against the leadership of churches that refuse to be evangelistic I know it seems strange, but I believe when we're feeling fulfilling our duties as saints of the Rock Church, I believe we're building a hedge around the man of God. He said, no enemy made war against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the leader. No enemy made war against him. Why? Somebody had been teaching the law. And somebody fulfilling their day-to-day duties. I know it wasn't something great, sens- sensational, some goosebumps. No. 
just fulfilling their duty. And it built a wall of protection around them. Okay, I'm going to make it sting a little bit more. I believe when you're irresponsible, I believe that when you're not a faithful steward of what God gave you the Holy Ghost for, I believe you leave a breach. And you cause this man to be attacked by unwanted pressures. And not only him, but the Wilsons, Sister Young, their kids. That's a, that's a different way of putting it, isn't it? When I'm fulfilling my duties, when I'm fulfilling my responsibilities, when I'm being a witness, when I'm sharing the Word, I build up a hedge around the leadership of this church that refuses to allow the enemy to penetrate. I know it hurts. But what? Pastor, what have you dealt with because of my laziness? What have you wrestled with that you never, God never intended for you to wrestle with. You could have been wrestling something else. What have you wrestled with that you had to wrestle with? Because I let in. Because I wasn't doing what God purposed and called me to do. Ooh. I'm looking at churches right now that are going over the top. trying to find similarities they're eat up with evangelism I don't know what he believes I don't know if he believes everything I believe I don't know I don't even know him that well you may not even know him he's got one of the fastest growing churches in our movement right now his name's Gary Howerton he's in the middle of nowhere Louisiana but he's eat up with evangelism nobody knows Gary Howerton it ain't about it, it I mean, who's ever heard of Faraday, Louisiana? He's growing like nobody's business. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what. And I'm not against growth seminars. I'm not against going. But I'm gonna tell you what. I'm gonna tell you something. You'll be lucky if you see that. You'll be lucky if you see him at general conference. You'll be lucky if you see him at a conference that's close to him. You know why? He's eat up, he's got Bible studies he teaches every week. He's not gonna miss his Bible studies. Buses. I'm going to tell this church something. We're in this building, okay? We're in here now. I'm going to get in the Holy Ghost now. Some of you thought I've been messing around. I'm going to get in the Holy Ghost. We're in this building now. What's the excuse now? We're not painting walls or hanging sheetrock anymore. We're not staying down here to 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning getting all the little stuff done. Time for no limits. And what's the excuse now? It's time to resurrect some things. that at one time was very much alive and even take them to greater extents. Johnny Godair? Why is Johnny Godair having it? He's eaten up with evangelism.
The same thing that it took this church to get to where it's at right now is the same thing that's going to take it to the next dimension where we double. Sacrifice. People moving and working and doing. Am I, am I being too mean, Pastor? We can't hide behind that lousy excuse anymore that nobody wants what we've got. Not when I've watched at least five or six women, 75 plus, walk in our revivals the last two weeks and receive the Holy Ghost. Seventy. I'm talking about people that are set in their ways. Sunday night, we had a lady, a very dignified lady from town. Very fluent, very influential lady in town. 80 years old, sitting there with all their garb. Sitting in that service, she walked in, and immediately, I said, on that facade, that woman's hungry. That woman right there is hungry. 80 years old, been in the Lutheran church all of her life. I walked to her, I didn't know it, Sister Young. Her body's racking in pain, I had no idea. I grabbed her by her hands and I pulled her out of her pew. And when I started walking her, she started screaming, It's leaving, it's leaving, it! I said, ma'am, what's leaving? She said, I have been in pain for ten years, and it's leaving my body! I walked her about four or five steps, raised her hands. I leaned my ear over, in her, over next to her mouth. She was talking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. You know what she told me? She said, I was dying in a Lutheran church. I had given up that there was still anywhere that had a move of God. We got to destroy that obstacle in front of us we've got to remove it everybody if they could taste of this wants what you and I've got and I know he was here and that's why I'm going to make reference to him I'm done he's here not too long ago I'm going to promise you things Maracorn well told you he wasn't just piping off the man lives it brother he lives it you hear me when I say he lives it He's eat up with evangelism. I talk to him on the phone. He answers the phone. It ain't what the devil's done. It's not this family's left or that family's leaving or this one. No. I talked to him uh, Wednesday. He said, He said, Ain't no telling what God's fixing to do in the next month. I said, why? He said, I just sent out 280,000 mail outs. I said, why 280,000? He said, because if I'd have sent out 1,000, nobody showed up. He said, but if I send out 280,000, five might show up. He said, don't you understand? If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. He said, when is the apostolic church going to get the revelation? That when you sow abundantly, the more seeds you throw in the ground, the more chance you're going to have of something springing up. I'm going to tell you something, and it's not far off, and I'm, I'm probably fixing to really throw some of you against your seats, but I'm going to tell you what I feel. I don't know if I'll be in the congregation. It doesn't make me any difference where I'm at. I'll be an usher. But the day is still very night hand that this church is going to see 500 people receive the Holy Ghost just like that. Just boom, just like that. I'm, I'm not, I don't care how much water's gone on the bridge. I don't care if that vision is dim and dead in your eyes and spirit. I'm telling you what God has purposed for this area, and it's for masses. Masses. 
Well, about half of you believe that. I said masses. God wants the masses. He wants us to take a handful of net, cast it into the water, and pull out mass. I'm talking about a net breaking. I'm talking about a net breaking revival. Come on, anybody believe this on Tuesday night? Anybody believe that God... I'm telling you right now, you want to hurt the enemy that's against you, get involved in evangelism. You want to hurt the opposition in your life, have a spiritual baby. You want to do damage on the kingdom of hell, get involved in door knocking. Run a bus route. Bring a back. And the beauty of it, and the beauty of it's now, I was there last time, I was there, a lady walked by. I was standing with Brother Cornwall. I said, man, that's a fine lady. Probably 40s, maybe early, late 40s, probably mid 40s. Said, Yeah, I want her on a bus route. He said, She's one of my bus captains now. One of the, one of the finest ladies he's got in his church. Because somebody will unlock a door. God have mercy. What are we here for, anyway? I've tried to hold the emotions in. I'm, I'm through preaching, so I can't hold the emotions in. What are we here for anyway? What are we here for anyway? Freely I've received. Freely I've received. God forbid that I'm not willing to give it back as free as it came to me. Come on, Rock Church. Come on. Come on. I'm telling some of you in the Holy Ghost, you're eat up with some things, but you're eat up with the wrong things. You're consumed with some things, but the raw truth of it is you're consumed with the wrong things. Happy is the man whose quiver is full. Happy. Some of you are never going to be happy until you function in what God has purposed you to function in from the beginning. Some of you are never going to have joy until you start getting arrows. Profound, and you better believe it is. That's why we're missing it. We're fighting the fight, but we're fighting with the wrong weapons. I preached it years ago. I hadn't talked about it much since, but I believe God's asking for the sword. So, won't you fight with a sickle? Why don't you fight with a sickle? There were things David wanted to see and David wanted to do. God wouldn't let him do it. You know why? His hands were bloody. He had one weapon in life and it was a sword. If you're not able to change weapons in different seasons, I believe there's things that God 
holds back. I hear. And I believe, and here, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. And I hope I can make sense of this because I've seen it in the Spirit. It's like this church is cleaving to a sword. And the reason you're cleaving to it is because of that sword. It's the only reason you're here tonight. But the season for that sword is over and God's saying that you fight one way so long to survive and then it comes down to security issues and you're scared to turn loose of it because it comes, it becomes a part of you I've seen it in the spirit driving here I've seen God going. But you don't understand, Brother Marks. God's waiting on some of you to go. Dried blood that's all supposed to be on that sword. He said, if you'll hand it to me, listen to me, I'll remove you out of that blood-stained battleground and I'll place you in the field that's wide and ready to harvest. But some of you want to stand in the middle of a battlefield where the battle's already over.
Everybody say in Jesus' name. These kind of sermons are not meant to feel good. They're meant to do what they're doing. The plow is digging deep into our spirit. And while Brother Marks was preaching, I have never, I have never seen this scripture the way that he preached it tonight. And I am, I am in full agreement. But I want to take it a step further. Verse number two. Can you put verse number two back up of Psalm one twenty-seven? Brother Marks, I saw this while you were preaching. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, and to eat the bread of sorrows. Then he answers what seems to be a ludicrous two statements. He says, God gives his children rest. Then he begins to talk about the children or the heritage of the Lord. But the marks, I don't know where you went, but that was, that's a very mature passage. There is something that happens to a marriage when spouses are staying up late and one's getting up early. Are you mature enough to understand what I'm talking about? The Word of God says, you're staying up late doing stuff that don't that ain't doing one thing for your life or your marriage or your union. And he said, then, then the other one of you is getting up at 4 in the morning heading out. So you got one staying up to 2, one leaving at 4. You never have an intimacy. You're, you don't have any kind of relationship. And he's saying, that's not the way God designed marriage. God designed for that husband and wife to go to go to that bedroom. The marriage bed is undefiled. And, and this scripture is plainly talking about what this preacher preached tonight. The spiritual application is that is we can get so busy doing everything else. We're rushing late. We're rushing early. And we're not spending any time doing the things that creates the fruit. But I'm not going to end on that note because I think we've got correction tonight. And I feel like my heart has been affected. Some medicine don't go down easy. But you got to take it. So, the other passage he read, I kept reading. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 17. And he read and they taught verse 9. Can you put that up there? Just to show you, I'm in the same vein. And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And then he read, And the fear of the Lord fell upon all of the kingdoms of the land that were round about so that they made no more war against Jehoshaphat. But I kept reading. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and tribute silver. But it didn't stop there. 
The Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams, 7,700 he goats. And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store. Cities of store means whatever they needed, it was, it was in a storehouse, it was provided. And these are the numbers of them according to the house of their fathers of Judah, the captains of thousands. Adam the chief with him, mighty men of valor, 300,000. Next to him was Joham, the captain with him, 200 fourscore. Next to him was Amasa, and on and on and on it goes. And it says, these waited on the king beside those whom the king put fence cities throughout all of Judah. When they got to doing what this preacher just preached to us, it wasn't only that there was peace in the valley. It wasn't only that there wasn't war anymore, but now the very things they had been fighting against started showing up and bringing Brother Thorpe, they were bringing blessing. I'm, I'm going to end this service this way. We have been fighting some things that if we'll take the word of God that we have heard and we turn it, we, we quit the busyness, busy work. Anybody know what busy work is? Quit the busy work, let's get to the intimate work. Let's go bear fruit. Let's go have some spiritual children. Let's get out and sow the seed. Not only is there going to be peace in the valley, but there's going to be some blessing come. There's going to be some prosperity come. The enemy we've been fighting is going to turn around and begin to bless the church. You know why? Because when you start saving the sinner, they become the saint. And they start blessing. The very thing we've been fighting starts blessing the church. So everybody stand to your feet. Everybody say, I receive the word. Say, I need the word. Say, I can be a better soul winner. I lost some of you. Say, I can be a better soul winner. Say, I'm going to be a better soul winner. And I'm starting tomorrow. Let me see your hand up tomorrow. You're going to tell somebody about Jesus. Come on, hold your hand up. When we got to the airport last night, there was a young man carrying a surfboard. He looked about 25 years old. He was leaving the airport with us as we were leaving Samoa. Brother Paul and I began to talk to him and said, what are you doing? Good looking, sharp guy. He, he could have passed for Tony Sinchetta's 20 year old little brother. And I said, what, what are you doing? He said, he said, I'm a missionary. We said, you're a missionary with a surfboard? He said, yeah. He said, me and my wife. I said, well, you don't have any kids, do you? He's a, he's a assembly of God missionary. So what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm over in Tonga. He said, I got four kids. I said, how old are they? He said, well, the oldest one's six. He said, I just got a few days off because my wife's having another baby. And I said, you mean you're raising your kids out here, winning, doing whatever you're doing? He said, yeah, man, this is the life. This is the greatest life. He said, I'm doing missionary work. So I, I determined we're all missionaries as of right now. Brother Marty, you, you get a surfboard and be a missionary. Amen. So tomorrow... Get your toolbox under your hand. You're not going to work for Joe's Carpenter Shop. You're an undercover agent of the kingdom. You're walking in there with a toolbox or a surfboard or a lunch bag or whatever it is. Walk in there tomorrow in the name of Jesus and find somewhere to invite somebody to church. Get a Bible study with them. Tell them about Jesus. Tell your testimony. If you can't think of a good testimony, make one up or something. Find, find something that somebody else has told. about what Jesus can do.